as usual. <laughs> Here we are. Ready to talk about the Jungle Book. Yay! Yay! You watched it last night? Yes, I did. Awesome. So did I. I, ha- I have not seen it since... I was thinking 30 years. It's got to be at least the 80s. Yeah. Sometime in the 80s. Yeah. Um, it was the last time I saw it. And... Um, I just remember loving the music, but actually watching it this time Mm -hmm. as an adult, I was like, wow, (laughs) this is, it's so much deeper. Mm -hmm. Like as an adult, when you go back and you watch it, it's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. (laughs) I know. I know. Well, my thing has always been the book versus the movie, you know, compare and contrast. That was always a really easy one for me in elementary school uh, when we had to pick a, an essay topic. So to compare um, the book and the Disney movie, um, there were other live action movies before Disney. Um, the book was written by Rudyard Kipling in 1864, I believe. Um, a lot of differences. In fact, the major difference is that the Jungle Book itself is just a collection of stories, and only some of them were about uh, Mowgli. His name was Mowgli in the book, not Mowgli. Um, Mowgli was, and I think I only bring that up because it's it's convenient for discussing the the movie versus the book. I feel like if yeah. we're going to talk about the book. Let's say Mowgli, and you know, up, vice versa. So it just makes it easier, but. Yeah, Mowgli was not just this helpless little man cub in the book. Um, there were a lot, a lot of differences, so we can get into those too. But what initial, initial, just subjective response to the Jungle Book experience so many years later? How did it compare with uh, when you were younger? See, when I was younger, it was just more superficial. Like it was. I just, I couldn't wait for Blue because Blue was like my favorite yeah. part of the whole movie. Any of those interactions with Blue were my absolute favorite. Yeah. Um, that was like, I loved the song and it just, that he made the movie fun for me. Um, mm-hmm. Going back and watching it now as an adult, it's like Peter Pan in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Pretty mm-hmm. much. And I, I have yeah. heard that that uh, Walt Disney, when the first draft of the script for the Jungle Book closely resembled the book and it was just too dark and he said no. So he got another writer and was like, don't read the book. Write a story. <laughs> I don't, that's, that's an interesting, fun fact I was not aware of because the book was pretty dark. Um, in fact, at the end of the book, a spoiler alert, so just be aware, um, at the end of the book, Mowgli actually um, skins Shere Khan after killing him and takes him back to the Wolves Rock. My mom's dog has anxiety and here she comes. Um, they're gone, but I'm here and that's apparently not good enough. So she may be clicking in and out of the room onto the hardwood floor and whining. It's okay, Kate. It's okay. I'm here. It's okay. Calm down. You're fine. I'm here. Calm down. <sighs> oh boy. So I know, baby. I know. It's all right. Calm down. I'm here. So yeah, uh, I forgot where we were. Bring me back on track because now I'm distracted. That's not good. Um, oh, how um, in the book, Mowgli had uh, skin Shere Khan and took him back to Wolf Rock. Yeah, yeah. That was just one of many, many differences. Um, I I don't remember reading the book. I'm sure that at one point I did because at one point I was obsessed with another one of Kipling's um, novels, uh, Ricky Tiki Tavi. Um and it was when I was really young. So I can't, I don't remember the Jungle Book, but I'm sure that I would have either discovered Ricky Tiki Tavi from the Jungle Book or vice versa. So I'm sure that I read it, but I don't remember. So these are just the Cliff's Notes, um, you know, information tidbits that I have, but <laughs> it's fun. I want to go back and reread it now because I'm like, ooh, 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 you know, the one thing, what you said, going back and rewatching it as an adult compared with as a kid, it seemed really superficial and really just straightforward. And I think that's because as a kid, definitely, I naturally took the point of view of the main character Mowgli, right? As a grown woman who is crusty and tired and raising two man cubs of her own, Women cubs? I don't know. Cubs of some kind. 
Um, I definitely took the perspective of Bagheera and Baloo to a certain extent, but more, I feel like I identify more with Bagheera. How about you? Yeah. Watching it back now, now it's like, okay, Bagheera is not really the killjoy. Mm-hmm. He's like trying to guide Mowgli along and, you know, it, it, he moves the story along, but he's also trying to guide him through mm-hmm. to get where he needs to be. The first, he needs to get to the man village to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, not trying to kill your fun, not mm-hmm. trying to, you know, be a pain in your ass, but just my for you to be safe. You, yes, I need you to do what I'm telling you to do. Stay on task. Yeah. You need to go here. Yeah. And there's such a mom. Oh, totally. Role. I get it. Because if, if Mowgli does not make it to that damn man village, everybody in the jungle turns around collectively in one like collective exasperated sigh. And every eye is on Bagheera then. And it's like, yeah. I, I, you have to, you, this has to work. I have no idea how I'm going to make it happen, but this needs to be a thing that happens. Like you just, you become this singular like drone. Like this is what's going to happen now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And when they, when Mowgli uh, finally did go uh, with um, the unnamed female uh, character of the, of the man villain <laughs> at the end, Baloo and Bagheera like waving him off and Bagheera is going, go, go. And Baloo's like, come back, come back. And again, <laughs> we have these foil characters for one another. You know, we have it fun, interesting, fun fact in the collection, in the, in the jungle book of Rud, Rudyard Kipling, um, their personalities were switched. So Baloo was the disciplinarian. He was the pragmatic one. He was this, the buzzkill. Uh, and Bagheera was more, um, almost like he had the same responsibilities self-imposed as like Zazu or Sebastian, like he took on this Royal protector role, but in the jungle it's, it's less, um, it's more um, collective. So he wasn't given the role. He took it on in and of himself, but he treats it with every bit as much reverence as one of the Royal protector characters would have in another story. Mm -hmm. I just love him. I love him. (laughs) I love him. And he's trying so hard not to be a dick, but he's like, God damn it, kid. I God, I don't have time. You know? It's like, you need to listen to me mm-hmm. right yeah. now. <laughs> like You don't understand the danger that you're mm-hmm. going to be in and the rest, because everybody else was going to be in danger too if they tried to protect him. So it's just to, to save and the jungle, you need yeah. to go. <laughs> Mm-hmm. In the book and the movie, Mowgli and Mowgli both um, make the decision to leave to protect everyone else. So they make a um, the collective is more important than the singular, the, the personal. So that was an intentional choice made by both characters. I feel like Disney and part of the reason that there's so much difference, I think, between Mowgli and Mowgli is that Disney was writing for a child audience. So they automatically um reverted his character to a much younger stage of life you know the deal was that he had the same tests that he had to perform in the in this um, series and in the short stories but um he was just beginning his life with the wolf cubs and it's almost as though in the movie we're following Mowgli through the course of like several months whereas in the books we follow him throughout his lifespan he grows to become quite the warrior and honestly i think he had the same trajectory as tarzan which you know again we see the man versus wild which is more more beastly that theme comes up again and same yeah that was that was the other parallel with the um with um mowgli mowgli being raised by the wolves and tarzan being raised by the gorilla so it's another um another story of a child abandoned out in the wild and being raised by animals. Mm-hmm. And Mowgli can say, when somebody says, were you raised by wolves? Yeah. Mowgli can you okay? You know, um, in the book, all that Mowgli had to do to communicate with any animal at any time was to say, we are the same, we are of one blood. That was like the magic incantation that he would speak. And then he could speak to the animals and whatever, however that, you know, physically worked out. Um, 
And I love the, the exploration of like how human are we and is how human we are necessarily a good thing. It's just, it just seems like again with um, the one that we just said that I can't remember the name of jungle book was parallels. Tarzan. Tarzan. Yeah. Um, again, we have this, we, ha- it's almost like, you know, in psychology where they would do the fucked up twin studies and separate one twin from another or give one a placebo and one not. Now we have like human ethics boards. We don't do those kinds of things without people signing consent forms. But back in the day, you would almost have a child taken from an environment and placed in this completely controlled environment, like an experiment. And it almost feels like that's what those characters are for whoever originally wrote them. Um, and it's interesting to me because I tend to believe that raised far away from the man village, we all have the potential to be really, really interesting, complex, um, really sympathetic characters. And sometimes we need to be removed from the man village in order for those traits to grow. Definitely. Cause then you're not under the influence of the, um, mm-hmm. the, the evilness. Some, mm-hmm men can be and you know Shere Khan actually so in the in the collection Mowgli does go to the man village we see him interacting in the man village his job in the man village as he gets older is to like herd the buffalo and he likes that because he can he has a chance then he still goes out and interacts with his family and his brothers and um you know all of all of the ancillary characters um but they're there's a parallel for Shere Khan in the man village. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was like a hunter and um, Mowgli would constantly be like, well, you're a douchebag and your logic is not sound. You're trying to trick people. Like this guy was like sly and kind of a douchebag and Mowgli always called him on it. So he made this enemy just like Shere Khan. And I, I believe in the, in the stories, I can't remember if he was cast out or at some point he was cast out of the man village at this, this man's, direction so no matter where he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't you know (laughs) but he wants to be in that jungle and i feel like that's where he belongs you know and i had um one of the when i put the question out to twitter like is anybody um Mm -hmm. have any um thoughts or you know things that you want us to discuss when it comes to this movie um, I did get a question from Sierra. Were there any hidden meanings in the Disney version? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Talk to me about those. Cause that's awesome. I did not do a lot of uh, research on the Disney I, version. Hit me. Lay it on me. I actually watched a video um, from Brain Academy, which sounds like something mm-hmm. you would do, <laughs> but it takes the Carl Jung perspective mm-hmm. of jungle book and very 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 interesting thing if you look at the characters as archetypes rather than just things yeah right um it it gave the movie a much deeper that the disney version a much deeper meaning for me um i i watched this video immediately after watching the movie. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know what? You're right. <laughs> like it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. As yeah. an adult. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, like when it comes to writing, the whole goal of any kind of writing is to have a story that's interesting in and of itself, but that translates into like a universal way. Sometimes those archetypes are a really good way for people who think very concretely and can't really identify with a story with animal or anthropomorphized characters, the archetypes are such a great way to tie it into like, we all collectively is very Jungian, I guess you would have to buy into a lot of like, you know, metaphysical shit, but we all sort of share this collective history and understanding of things. We all know these archetypes, like the, the wicked woman or the, you know, benevolent, benevolent, whatever, you know? So what are some of the archetypes that, they talk about in this movie did you yeah the um let's say the the jungle is the big one um because the jungle was an archetype mm-hmm. for childhood um where the whole mm-hmm. goal uh, of bagheera being bagheera was the voice of reason so mm-hmm. the whole goal was for bagheera to guide 
Mowgli to adulthood, like adolescence, adulthood. Um, right. So he had to get him out of the jungle so that he could then, you know, grow up and be a man. So yeah. when you look at all those times when Mowgli was like, I don't want to leave the jungle. Yeah. It was like your pants saying, I don't want to grow up. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, we, we don't want to mm-hmm. grow up. And, you know, he, sometimes we do, sometimes we do, mm-hmm. but he, the whole, the whole goal was to get him safely out of childhood into adolescence so that he could grow up and, and be a man. Um, so the other characters were also, so um, Blue was the voice of hedonism. Mm-hmm. And um, he is who Mowgli would be if he did not leave the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, he would basically be a man child. He just, you know, he looks big and he's strong. Yes. He looks like a grown mm-hmm. man, but, um, behaves as a child. So he would basically just be a man child if he stayed in the jungle forever. Mm-hmm. Um, King Louie. Oh my God. King Louie. Not in the books, by the way, the, the, there was no, um, autocracy within the monkey tribe. It was just straight up like socialism apparently. And they were all out of their minds. Yep. Yeah. He, um, they, uh, compared him, uh, King Louie as the face of regret. So he is the man child. He said he's the he's the face of regret um, because um, while he's he's grown, he's also a man child. But he is um, he he regrets not being more of a grown person, which is why he um, he envies Mowgli and he wants to he wants to be like him because he wants to be a man. He wants mm-hmm. to you know grow up to be, you know, the grown man that he knows Mowgli is going to be. Um, but he, because he is the man child, um, all he has are the other mm-hmm. monkeys. So he had to rule by bullying and, and, um, uh, but he's basically, what did it say? He was, he despises the people. He despises his subjects. Um, he's insecure, weak. He's a wannabe because he wants to be like, like Mowgli. Um, so he's basically like Baloo, but while Baloo is happy in how he is, King Louis is not. Mm-hmm. He wishes that he had yeah. better and had made yeah. other choices in life, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I, also I like, like you can that. only fake it for really so long. I never that comparison, but yeah, I like that. That, um, that's interesting. And I guess I'm I'm curious now, like, what side am I on? Am I on Baloo's side or aspirational <laughs> King Louis? Yeah, because they said Earth like man. a lot of a lot of people love Baloo, and that says a lot about human nature because we all just want to be, you know, have fun and be carefree and and all that stuff. Um, but at the same time, we also know that you know we have to. We have to grow up, allegedly. Um, we have to go to that man village. Yes. <laughs> now they, um, what was another archetype? The elephants. The elephants uh, were the voice Ooh, of yeah, discipline. Yeah, elephants are fascinating. Okay. They were, um, they, uh, the, the, archetype for um social order for um basically as a human to function in society you have to learn how to obey and how to be quiet and listen and um you know do things um do what you're told or um be an effective leader you know things like that um but yeah that Mm -hmm. discipline is important to function in any healthy society. Yeah. 
And they made that really transparent in the movie because they were all military. They were um, the Maharaja's elephants, weren't they? They were escaped or were they set free or somehow they had, they had been in the Maharaja's army. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember if they mentioned it. I think they did. I think that because the main guys, the main guy's name is Hefe, I think. And um, he says something about this is how I earned my, because he's always talking about all the titles that he earned. And at one point he mentions, this That's is how right. I earned my rank in the Maharaja's army. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But they never, they never discussed right. because the Maharajas kept their war elephants, didn't they? They like cremated them and kept the ashes kind of like the Egyptians with their cats. So yeah, yeah they were very important. Wandering the jungle. <laughs> Yeah, they, um, what else did they say? Ka, the snake. Mm. Um, mm. So snakes are always portrayed as evil and deceivers. And, and um, so Ka was the archetype for predators preying on the young and the innocent, trying mm. to gain their trust so that they could steer them astray mm-hmm. yeah yeah um in the book in the book Ka was not an antagonist he was sort of a, an independent trickster sort of character um who was almost benevolent towards Bagheera Baloo and uh Mowgli a lot of the time so he would work with them to try to further if it if it if it was convenient for him to further their goal mm-hmm. in whatever interaction they were involved in, he would, he would help them out. So he was kind of a, a, you know, and you get that sense in the Disney movie too. He's kind of an independent agent out for himself, but he'll cower to whoever is most powerful, you know? Yeah. So it's like, as long as it furthers his agenda, <laughs> hmm. I will do whatever. Um, See, the uh vultures i love the vultures um the vultures yeah the vultures were the archetype for teenage apathy and since um vultures yeah. usually um are equated with death like that was um another um another yeah. uh foil for for Mowgli it was just like um you know growing up means you're gonna die um but those guys mm-hmm. when I after watching this video I'm like oh my gosh they were really like teenagers <laughs> yeah they were they were originally written for that movie for the with the intention of the Beatles playing them I mean it's clear it's clear in the um in the way that they're voiced and everything but I guess Disney had to get their own voice actors because the Beatles turned down the role or I don't know all of the war <laughs> regarding that but yeah definitely John Lennon Bird is my guy I love him <laughs> they had the hair and everything <laughs> yeah everything everything they had the short pants the little clam diggers. <laughs> I loved them. They were cool. They were cool. They were like, oh, oh, we made them feel bad. Let's let them be a part of the group. They were just cool. They know what it is to be on the outside because nobody wants to hang out with a scavenger of like dead detritus animals. So, exactly. And then uh, Shere Khan was. I have some questions about Shere Khan. I have some observations. What What do you have on him? Um, so Shere Khan was the representation of of Mowgli's greatest fear. Um, so Shere Khan was also fearful, though, because he knew if Mowgli got to grow up, he was going to become a hunter and he was going to kill him. So the only way to stop that from happening was for him to kill Mowgli. So that's why they had to, you know, move him on to, on to the man village. That was the whole thing. I mean, he was defeated by knowledge. The fire, fire represented knowledge mm-hmm. um, throughout the movie. And that fire defeated the, the greatest mm-hmm. fear. But um, yeah, it was basically... Both of them were afraid of mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. 
<laughs> but Shere Khan had to had to kill Mowgli so that he could save his own mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And according to his perceptions, too. And what's interesting to me is in the book. So they they allude to it in the in the movie that um, Shere Khan is a man killer. Generally, um, it's understood that lions who resort to eating humans are generally in some ways ill or um, um, at some sort of a disadvantage. Um, so they resort to like, you know, humans cause we're slow and dumb, um, instead of chasing down an antelope. That's the only time that that really happens. So we know that Shere Khan was lame in the, in the movie. Um, in the book, it's actually said he was born lame. So I was curious and I don't think I ever resolved this question for myself as I was watching the movie. Did Shere Khan have interactions with humans that gave him the understanding um, that humans are dangerous. And then in the book, um, Rashka, and I want to discuss Rashka, uh, which is the wolf um, mother who raised Mowgli, but mm-hmm. she says something to him and calls him like a burned. He is, he was burned. Um, he was in some way harmed at some point. So I, I need to resolve that. Like, did he, did his hatred of man and fear of man and man's fire come from an interaction or from just a belief that was ingrained somewhere. Do you know what I mean? I'm curious about his psychology, I guess, and his motivation. Yeah, that I don't know. It really wasn't, um, I don't think it was explored mm-hmm. that much in in the Disney version. You just know that he knew that Madly was going to, was going to become a hunter, was right. going to kill him. Um but yeah, we don't know what his interactions were with yeah. the man village prior to all of this. I'm curious. I'm curious. Rashka as a mother, um, you know, I'm kind of fascinated by parenting and motherhood and archetypes of motherhood and, you know, current um, expectations on moms versus what we see in literature and does art imitate life when it comes to parenting. Rashka. So basically at one point, um, Shere Khan had come and said, listen, um, I am going to fuck this kid up if you don't get rid of him. And uh, Rashka, uh, see, what did he say? He said to the wolves, you choose and you do not choose. What talk is this of choosing? By the bull that I killed, I am to stand nosing in your dog's den for my fair dues. It is I, Shere Khan, who speak. So he's like intimidating them. He's like, listen, bitches. I want the kid gone. And if it means in my belly, then that's how that happens. She goes, it is I, Rashka, the demon who answered. The man's cub is mine. He's mine to me. He shall not be killed. He shall live and run with the pack and to hunt with the pack. And in the end, look, you hunter of little naked cubs, frog eater, fish killer. He shall hunt thee. Holy shit. Rashka was like the ultimate mom. I now need a picture of her on my inspiration wall. Holy crap. She's like, listen here. You sorry, son of a bitch. (laughs) I mean, damn. Talk about strong female characters. And she was an ancillary character and she got the shaft in the movie too. I don't even know if they named her, but holy crap. She was the shit. She was named, but she was only in like she wasn't in it that all that long, and she didn't have. Much Did she stand to up say. to the tiger in the movie wow. in Disney animated? No. I don't think so. I don't remember her being at the end when they when they encountered Shere Khan. I don't think she. I don't. Was. I remember her standing up for him, but I don't know if it was directly to Shere Khan or to the Wolf Council because the Wolf Council were the ones in the beginning. I think she might have stood up. To- yeah, I think it was to the council. council. I don't think she ever came face to face with Shere Khan. I would have liked to have seen that, but that might have been a little dark for a Disney movie. But I'll tell you, if I were to win the lottery after completely zhuzhing out my chicken coop, I would pay someone to write that scene and make it happen for me. Because I want to see her rip him tip's tail. Oh, yeah. Up one side, mm-hmm. down the other. Oh, yeah. I just need her in my life. Like, wow. I channel her. She was, she was a good mom. Holy crap. Hell yeah. Wolves and gorillas make awesome moms. Either one can raise my next husband. That's fine with me. And I'm fine <laughs> with that. The same, when somebody says, were you raised by wolves? It is not an insult. Yeah, no, 
And in fact, I was. In fact, I was. (laughs) And I'm a better man than you. I would be very happy if I was. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like even Mowgli, as he grew throughout, or Mowgli, sorry, as he grew throughout the books, he grew into a hell of a man who, who always maintained his position within the jungle. Even though he didn't belong there at all, he belonged there just as much as anyone else and even more than some, you know, I feel like I love that takeaway. That's one of the big takeaways is that you're always better off if you're closer to nature than people always. You you can just rely on the fact that your karma is on the good end of the spectrum. If you're more comfortable with nature than with people, I think that's just true. Definitely. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like you, you judge a man by how he treats a dog or a cat or, you know, they're an asshole to an animal. They're going to be an asshole to a yeah. human too. So I always like the first, the first outing with a guy is really kind of where I decide whether we'll be seeing each other for a second round, because <laughs> if they are not polite and thoughtful and I don't, I do give a shit if they're that way to me, but that's not indicative because that's, you know, manipulated and motivated. I want to see how they're treating all of the wait staff. I want to see how they're pe- treating people in traffic. I want to see, you know, those kinds of interactions. I feel like the man who was raised by wolves is not going to disappoint me the way the man who was raised in the man village will. No, it, 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 you just reminded me of an episode of the IT crowd um, where the the main, have you ever seen the IT crowd? No, is it a show? Is it a sitcom? Oh, yes. It's a British comedy. It's awesome. You have to, you have to see it. Um, the, uh, it's on Netflix. Okay. I think it's still on Netflix. Um, but the main character had, um, Jen had gone out with a guy and, you know, everything was going really well. And they were, you know, talking and she's like, this is so nice. And he's like, yeah, it really is. And then, you know, the waiter's off over here and he, the guy had red curly hair. And um, so, you know, the, the guy from Simply Red. So he goes, hey, waiter, when you're simply ready, like, and he starts acting like a jerk. And that's when she was like, oh, yeah, no, this is done. We're done here. <laughs> this Game <thing>. over. <laughs> time of death. It's called time of death. Yeah. I've been on those days. Yeah. That's the majority of the days I've been on. I don't know about anybody else, but yeah. Yeah. And if someone isn't, isn't acutely aware of the fact that they're, you know, we all know that we're being judged in some way or another, but if you're not acutely aware on a first date that you are being judged on how you treat other people, then you do not understand me well enough to be on this date. You don't qualify and you should not have passed the screening process. So I don't know what we're doing here, but it's time for you to go home. (laughs) Bye-bye. Nice try. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Then <laughs> uh, I, I loved though how they um the the unnamed yeah. girl at the at the water's edge singing her little oh, song. That song. Um, let's discuss that. So let's put a pin in that song. Continue your thought. <laughs> <laughs> she she's like being all I me mean, for a little kid. Though those were some pretty seductive looks she mm-hmm. was given, um, for Mowgli to be like, or Mowgli to be like, oh, well, and he's oh, like eight new. in the movie. So what the shit? Even my eight-year-olds yeah. and they're going on sixteen. They don't even look at people like that. So I don't know. <laughs> he was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get closer look at that. She was just caught in a human form. He was immediately yeah. just so dumb. <laughs> yeah. yeah just like no just come on. no motor coordination everything. everything brain just shut down it was ridiculous <laughs> i'm like you simple fool you're gonna get your ass kicked in the man village <laughs> i'm with blue yeah. come back come back yeah. you're making a mistake abort abort <laughs> 
And then he just turns around at the very last minute. He turns around with the hat on his head and he's just like drugs. And I'm like, oh, there's Shawnee. That would be Shawnee. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, gotta go, Shawnee. <laughs> I'm going to carry her water. <laughs> beautiful fool. <laughs> About to get your ass kicked emotionally, but okay. <laughs> in the in the, uh, in the collection, she was named. I I don't remember her name, but the the woman who adopted Mowgli in the collection, it, it's alluded to that he may be her lost son because she had lost her son in a tiger attack many years before, or however many years before. It was never outright stated. But it was always implied that it might be a possibility that Mowgli might have been her son. So really, he would have been this girl's sister. And now we're in West Virginia. I should stop saying that because I'm oh. sure that <laughs> the entire me. But sorry, I'm sorry. I can't stop. It's I don't mean anything by it. Pencil Tucky is no better. I'm not casting aspersions. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. We, we've got... Or, or I say we've got Pennsylvania in the East, Pittsburgh in the West, and Alabama in between. That's no better either. Not pretty much. Yeah. Yep. It's ridiculous here. Sorry. So don't feel bad. I'm not saying it in a bad way, West Virginia. It's like the one weird cousin addressing another with a head nod. I see you. I see you. Mm-hmm. I'm a weirdo. We get oh, it. I should stop. <laughs> I love West Virginia. No offense intended. Moving on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, they um. So she was the um, the archetype for the temptress, um, who she was basically needed for him to be able to accept growing up of his own free will. Uh, where he resisted all the way along the way growing up. Once he saw her, then it was like, oh, oh, that's what's there. Okay, I'm ready to grow up now. And then he left. I'm ready to be an adult. Yeah. Speaking of archetypes, this entire this entire story, whether we're talking about the movie or the book, is definitely fits within that really nice, neat little package that we can use to discuss it as a coming of age story. Um, It's also a hero's journey. Um, And so it's super universal in that way. And I think that's why I like, as a kid, I took the position of Mowgli or, you know, because that, that was the most easily accessible and identifiable to me. And now I have this deeper, richer understanding of what all of the characters were experiencing and how important it was that at his young age, especially in the movie, but also in the book, like he took the responsibility to put the pack before himself, you know, he was a wolf through and through, you know, um, and it was evident from the beginning. Yeah. He, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It was like, um, it was just so neat to go back and watch it now through the eyes of an adult, which has been, the great thing about doing this whole sidecast is going back and watching yeah. these movies as an adult and seeing the yeah. deeper meaning that you didn't get as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, I, I don't know if like if Disney was doing these particular things on purpose to make them like morality plays or, um, or, you know, building in the deeper meaning or if we're just, reading more into it, but it just, it's been a really neat experience going back and watching these things and saying, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, that's the fun thing about story. You know, stories are, are so easily turned into cautionary tales and lessons for kids. But as you get older, you kind of understand the mechanics of story and how it works. And you understand the like the archetypal meanings of things and the, the, the repetition of certain themes and, and takeaways. And it, I think it deepens your understanding just by having lived, you have a, 
a better understanding of the world and of all of the complexities that make every little weird thing that happens happen. So to go back and, and look at the stories as an adult, I definitely, I'm, it's been so much fun. And that's why I'm just like, let's do this one. There, we never seem to run out of something to talk about. Cause it's like, Ooh, now I'm curious about that. And it's, it's a lot of fun to go back with that critical eye and actually deconstruct stuff. I think it's, now I've lost my train of thought. Uh, you go for it. You go for it. <laughs> I lost. The, um, <laughs> it's it, it's like the how it, with the the growing up part of the story. So the the parallel between Jungle Book and Peter Pan, whereas Peter Pan didn't grow up, and really neither did did Mowgli because Mowgli because he didn't want to leave the the jungle, but where. Peter Pan had to stay in Neverland. Mm -hmm. Um, Mount Mowgli had to leave the jungle. Like that was otherwise the whole journey would have been meaningless if he'd have just stayed where he was. He had to leave. Um, So that's where those two particular stories diverge. It's like Peter Pan had to stay the kid and stay in Neverland in order for him to be who he was supposed to be. Uh, but for Mowgli, he had to leave the jungle so that he can grow up and yeah. have a life outside yeah. of being Baloo or King yeah. Louis. <laughs> and now that's an interesting point because in the books we see there wasn't this separation. Like it wasn't expected that he would do really well in the man village, but would necessarily die in the jungle um, in the in the books, Mowgli was well capable of keeping up like the trial that he has to do in the beginning. And for the Wolf Council, that was there. That was an element of the of the book. And um, he was in the movie. He couldn't keep up. And they were like, what are we going to do with him? He's going to die. Like, blah, blah, blah. He's incapable of being in the jungle. Not so in the book. He was well capable of navigating that environment. Um, he kept pace with all of his wolf brothers. He was able to defend himself. In fact, he um, outpaced many of them. Um, so there was never a question like in the movie, it almost feels like they want a child to progress through this story with, and come to the conclusion at the end that it's better to be in the man village. Whereas in the, in the books, he still maintains his life outside. And when it comes right down to it, he has the same enemy in the man village that he did in the jungle. And ultimately it's a, it's an existential, like, like real, um, juggernaut of a story because ultimately Mowgli is utterly abjectly alone in the world. He does not have a place in the man village. He does not have a place in the jungle. And it's, he's trying to navigate these two worlds where really he doesn't fit in anywhere, but how does he strike a balance between the two? And that, that to me, that's an adult theme that I pull from that. I would never have gotten as a kid, but I now have this new resource when I start thinking about my own struggles in that way how do i fit in within my environment you know i think now i think of mowgli and i never would have before yeah and it's like he's he's also like tarzan in that way but i think um tarzan may have adjusted a little better i guess i don't know because uh, tarzan was an adult by the time he found other humans yeah yeah he was much more sent as a, well, Tarzan is automatically better at, in all instances, just because I have a little crush on Tarzan, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he, he definitely had the advantage and I go back to attachment, you know, they say the first five years are so important in your, you know, development of your worldview. It feels like Mowgli was just coming out of that attachment period. I feel like he was eight, nine, maybe 10 in the movie. Whereas throughout the books, he does have that progression into adulthood. And so I think he it finds ways to integrate what's useful in both worlds and ultimately be where he's supposed to be, or at least as close as possible to that. I don't think there's ever a place where he's supposed to be. I think he's an anomaly. Like he's just yeah. a metaphor for just a random anomaly that was never supposed to happen. And now what do we do with this? And he kind of has to find his own way. That's That's every creative person's struggle, I think. You feel completely isolated and outside, even when you look like everybody, you know, you still don't quite fit in. And it's like, where do I belong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, super, super huge. And Walt Disney can't be credited. Like, I love Walt Disney, but he wasn't that smart. Like, he wasn't, he was adapting these stories and these stories themselves. I mean, and if you go back through the history of literature, you'll see just like archetypes, there's a reason. There's very few original stories. It's all a version of a few original stories, conflicts. You break it down to basic conflicts. There are ultimately very few. It's just which ones have the more interesting details. And those are your favorite stories. And make them kid friendly. But like, yeah, at the same time, you can find Mm -hmm. much deeper meaning in all of it. Yeah. The existential meaning is like immutable. It can't be, it can't be removed. You just need the insight and the experience to look for it. I think everybody should go back and rewatch their favorite Disney movies and really just like think about themselves and how, because I really do. I fully, fully believe that I internalized every single one of these movies that we've talked about in some way. I took those archetypal, universal, timeless elements, conflicts, and that, that informed in the future, how I dealt with isolation or how I dealt with, you know, um, just any of those conflicts that were covered. Yeah. And like, I, when we had talked about doing this episode, I was like, what are we going to talk about for the jungle book? Yeah. I haven't seen it in forever. You know, I, I have to watch it, but after watching it again and then watching this video with the, with the deeper meaning behind it, I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Like for real, there, there are so many Disney movies that go back and listen to all of our episodes. Yeah. Um, that, there is a deeper, richer meaning. It's not just some kids' movie. There's so many layers to these movies that that um, when you go back and yeah. and you watch them and you really pay attention, it's like, oh wow! <laughs> like you only saw the superficial fun. stuff. If you're so inclined, it becomes even more fun when you then are like, ooh, let me go to the primary. Oh, okay. I'm interested in Hercules. I just watched that. I'm curious. How does Zeus differ in the mist? Let me go back to the primary source material. And all of a sudden, I don't know. A lot of people are going to be like, why would you do that? Like Joe Kenda is on, just make some popcorn and calm your tits. But I'm like, no, now I got to go read an entire book of Greek mythology because I got to understand, like my brain just lights up. Yeah, I mean. I can investigate stuff like that. I'm, t- I'm telling you, my 15 year old is now learning the the that Zeus um, was hmm. a horn dog. So I, I need to have her listen to Hercules is good, Zeus is a whore. Wow. Um, because <laughs> I also wondered like, how your kids are going to feel about hearing you be very, very honest and like misbehave because <laughs> I feel like I'm a bad influence and they probably don't see the side of me very often. I'm curious what's going to happen when they listen to your episode. <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's like um um yeah she didn't realize that that <laughs> zeus was such a whore um uh, or that he turned himself into animals yeah she's like some so, uh, zeus as a horse whispering in some girl's ear and some girl's yeah. like okay <laughs> yeah you had no shame and neither did they they should both be ashamed of themselves ashamed yes. Shame. I want a bell and I want to follow him through the streets naked. I want to shame the shit out of both of them. Because there's a lot of the women, though, it was rape. Like they were like, I get that you're having a moment, horse, but I'm not into that. You know, they were perfect women. And he was just like, I'm a horse. Check it out. (laughs) Exposed himself. And then that's the end. She has no choice. <laughs> like, no, no, no. And yeah. And then, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. there's just, there's so, mm-hmm. so much stuff mm-hmm. in these Disney movies that is, yeah. it's worth your time. I mean, to go through the, the catalog at Disney plus now, I'd love having access to all of it. <laughs> yes. Remember when things would go in the vault and you were like, I gotta get the lion King. I can't get it for another 20 years. And I'm like, yes. Disney had that on lockdown. Didn't they? They were like, Hey guys, supply and demand. Let me manipulate your emotions. I'm get telling you when, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh was my favorite as a kid. And then when I was pregnant with my my oldest it was 1996 mm-hmm. and they brought Winnie the Pooh out of a vault on VCR because that's I, how old I am mm-hmm. um I got on a bus 
nine months pregnant <laughs> to go up to Clover, which also doesn't exist anymore, um, to get Winnie the Pooh on VHS so that my son would have it. Because and I bought him all the Winnie the Pooh bedding. And for both my boys, I bought all the Winnie the Pooh bedding. Yeah. And I went with Beatrix Potter for Trace. Mm-hmm. But then Trace ended up being the Winnie the Pooh lover. So really, yeah, she has a she has a park ranger Winnie the Pooh that she has at school with her right now that sits on her lap while she does her homework. But um, yeah, very interesting. So then, I guess I would like to refer you to a new project if you're looking for something to keep your brain busy. Um, Christopher Robin and Mowgli are basically the same character, and there's a lot of literary references and and. Um, you know, literature on that, that you could go through that might be interesting for you. They actually used a lot of the same, um, animation. animation. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the side by side. Yeah. Yep. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Very similar characters. And again, we're right back to, and that's, I think why, I'm so passionate about storytelling. Like it sounds so like stories are something that we do when we're idle, when we're just being lazy or whatever. Um, And I think there's so much power in storytelling because it's, it's how we understand who we are and our place in the universe. You know, like we understand ourselves in terms of these, you know, philosophical values and ideals that we develop and where else does that come from? I mean, there's that great, um, you know, debate that will rage on until the end of time. Like, does art imitate life or is it vice versa? And I think they co-create one another. I really do. I think we hear these stories from the time that we are so young, we can't even understand the words, but we're internalizing the feelings and, and it's not life imitating art or art imitating life it's it's the two are infused with one another just as a species we've we've created this intimate intimate enmeshment with story and storytelling and it's so important and meaningful if you just stop and recognize it in everyday life yeah like and when you you go back to ancient times and the importance of the bard in tribal culture like the, the the bard was revered because of his stories and his songs.